0: Paralympics podcast. I'm your host Jackie and tonight I am joined once again by Dan but we also have newcomer Danny joining us tonight. So how are you guys?
1: I'm wonderful. How are you? Pretty good.
2: Yeah I'm, I'm pretty good as well. It's uh, It's been a pretty massive two weeks, um, just two weeks after another big two weeks but we're sitting here as the closing ceremony is wrapping up and well it's been quite quite a paralympics for australia hasn't it
0: yeah (laughs) there's quite a paralympics is probably an underestimate considering 21 gold medals 80 medals total yeah it's fair yeah um but i guess the big news at least about the closing ceremony is the fact that ellie cole uh was announced as australia's flag bearer for the closing ceremony but with that comes part of the reason why she even got the honour is at her fourth Paralympics, she broke the record as Australia's most decorated female uh, Paralympian, winning 17 medals uh, across the four Paralympics.
2: I mean, 17 medals is unbelievable. Four Paralympics is unbelievable. Um, you know, there isn't much else to say about Ellie Cole's achievements over, over her career. Um, obviously there was the really nice storyline, um, in that her training partner, Kate Campbell was one of the flag bearers at the opening ceremony of the Olympics. And now she's the flag bearer at the closing ceremony for Paralympics. And it's a, a nice symmetry to really close the loop on what has been a really successful trip to Tokyo for Australia. But Cole has been a role model of this team for, you know, over a decade now, um, And it's really a well-deserved recognition of that.
1: Hard to believe she's only 29 too, considering she's competed at four Paralympics and won so many medals. Like you look at the ages of some of the other Paralympians out there and she could have easily gone on for another 10, 15 years.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, as Dan said, the symmetry of it is all very nice, but just Ellie Cole, like, she might not have had her best Paralympics in the sense of her best Paralympics was in London where she won four gold medals. So pretty hard to beat that, but she still medaled twice and was a really quality team member. And the way that the Aussie swimming team members, at least for this Paralympics, like wrote messages about her on social media, um, even talked about her, You were like, okay, like we know that this is a tight knit group uh, to a certain extent, but then you like see the way they speak about each other and you're reminded like just how close everyone actually is.
2: Yeah. And, and that humility was on show when she talked about the fact that actually it was one of the highest honors of her career to be the flag bearer, not, you know, to win the gold medals, but to to be recognized by your peers and, and by your kind of team um, in that way was, was a really touching moment for her. And, and is a, a really touching moment for all of us, but while Ellie Cole might have been closing or well, at the closing ceremony, there was plenty of action on the closing day. Danny, you were keenly following the marathons this morning.
1: Yes, I was up early this morning, ready to see the start of the marathons. Um, I have a particular vested interest, I guess. Um, a man by the name of Michael Roger um, is uh, from my region. And so seeing him out there on the track, having been or holding the world record, um, we were really excited to see how he would go today. Um, Unfortunately, didn't go as planned. Um, He went into the race with injury and that sort of came through Um, in his post-match, post-match, in his post-race interview, he was saying that uh, he could count the number of runs that he's done in the last five weeks on one hand so to go into Paralympics with such little training or preparation um really really inspiring stuff but we did thankfully have some medals in the marathon um very exciting news for uh Maddie Di Rosario who claimed gold by just one second it was such an exciting race um we had Uh, the USA competitor was leading nearly the whole race. And at one stage, she led for over a minute. And then this group of five just came and attacked her. And it was just so beautiful to watch Maddie, so excited when she crossed the line. She couldn't believe it herself. No one else could. Um, Yeah, really stoked for her. And we had one final Paralympian who medaled, Jared Clifford, who actually was running his first Paralympic marathon today having only run his first marathon ever in April this year um when he accidentally broke the world record just casually <laughs> just casually I remember was... us
2: talking about this story I can't remember when it was but we talking about the fact that how, how can you possibly accidentally run a marathon in world record yeah. time like the the concept that you can be in the kind of shape where you run a marathon and not even think about a world record and then find out that you've broken it
0: well but also run a marathon and accidentally break a world record with guides like you're not running solo (laughs) but also
2: runs with a guide what wasn't he pace setting for someone else at the time that he broke that world record
1: he was pace setting for michael roger yeah he um and he didn't even plan on finishing this whole marathon earlier in April, right? He sat down on the track with six Ks to go. And the coach was like, wait, get up, finish this. You're you've got a good time going here. And he could have easily jogged the last lap and still smashed this record. It was ridiculous. So coming into the Paralympics with only five months of marathon training essentially um he snagged the silver and it was just beautiful to watch um seeing everyone cheer him cheer him on as he came through uh the the line as they all finished in the stadium there which was really cool um yeah really stoked for him he's worked really hard at multiple disciplines in the running so props to him
2: yeah i mean all three put in phenomenal efforts roger obviously battling through injuries that were far worse than anyone knew um Mm -hmm. and and to run a marathon on any kind of injury is unbelievable let alone one that stopped you from doing any training but de rosario won gold in the 800 meters earlier in the week Mm -hmm. the difference like 800 meters takes about one minute and 40 something seconds Today, she won a race in one hour and 38 minutes, (laughs) the breadth of skill to be able to race at both those distances and take a gold medal in both is, I mean, I I don't actually have any words (laughs) for what that kind of achievement is.
0: But Um, She was also in the middle distance events, like won bronze in the 1500 and then made the final in the 5000. Like.
1: Mm. and it's not as if she had perfect weather conditions for racing either like a <laughs> oh, <morning> <laughs> little, little bit of an understatement for pretty much the whole Paralympics but um yeah watching that spray come off the tires you know she wanted to be at the front of that chasing pack the whole time which you know understandable I think we'll allow that one um
2: On the bright side, it makes the post-race shower a little bit easier because you're already soaked. Does it though? (laughs) I think a gold medal probably makes the shower easier.
0: I thought the sheer number of records, both Paralympic and world records, just broken in the weather that it Mm. was the athletics,
1: was baffling. (laughs) Like, um, And she beat the Paralympic record by 33 seconds, just casually.
2: Amazing. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's really interesting because we talked about the fact that just you know three or four weeks ago at at the Olympics the weather conditions were so difficult to break world records because it was so hot, and here we would have thought that the rain that we've seen, particularly the last few days, would have prevented any world records. But this time, they've fallen like houses of cards. Really, (laughs) there's no other way to describe how the records have fallen.
0: Well, and this is partially due to how few races there's been this year, obviously. And I'm sure some of them have not competed this season in a proper um, meet, but in Maddie's race, everyone either had a season's best or a personal best. Um, That's amazing. And there were more seasons and personal bests in these marathons today than there weren't by a long shot. Whereas in the marathon event at the Olympics, I think it was maybe four or five people tops um, between the events.
1: It would be interesting to compare um, a percentage of how many records were broken per events held, like a ratio sort of thing. Maybe that's something we can look into. I mean,
2: I still have my theory. And it was the same for the cycling and the Olympics that the extra year of no competition has made all of these athletes so much fitter, faster, and stronger. Um, And we're seeing all these records fall as a result. And we'll probably see a regression the mean for, for Paris and we'll see you know less records broken but there are still plenty of, of landmark achievements at Tokyo outside of the records and Jackie you became quite a fan of the debut event the Para Taekwondo.
0: Hey well, fans probably not fair and that's only because you couldn't watch it <laughs> um so I was more keeping up with the scores on the Paralympics app and being like oh my god wow, this is going really well. Um, I've done Taekwondo like in the past, but that's a whole other thing. So I understand how the points work to a certain extent. But Janine Watson in her Para Taekwondo bronze medal bout uh, won 63 to nil, which that sounds big. And then you go, there was only two other matches for the entire um, Paralympics that had someone get zero points their entire bout uh one of them was a zero zero draw that was like ruled a referee's decision quite early on in the bout and the second one was a 10 nil uh result in the bout so not only did she uh keep (laughs) her opponent to no score she then proceeded to just score with every like opportunity she could they're only like a minute and a half two minute long rounds as well so like when a kick is worth two points and you're getting 63 points, you're landing what? a lot of kicks.
2: Does anyone have a stat for how many strikes she landed that weren't scores? Because it, uh, it can't it can't have been many.
0: I if you land it like if you do actually land a strike like on the chest plate or say if it's a head hit, um that's a point. It's like if she ends up hitting an arm guard or something like that, there is, wouldn't be a stat, I would say, available readily.
2: I mean, that's that's just unbelievable to score 63 points in 90 seconds is is absurd. And and, and it's almost shocking that it wasn't a gold medal with a scoreline like that. But, um, you know, we found out what happened earlier in the day. And Jackie, maybe you'll tell us a bit more about it because you had a look into it.
0: Yeah, so she went up against Morocco's Rajay Akamak uh, and lost 8-6, to six, which is vastly different scoreline, which is both with how low scoring it is, but how close it was. Um, and because of that, she got sent into the repercharges where the best you can get is bronze, um, effectively. So uh, Akamak ended up moving through, I think lost in her quarterfinal because they were around a round of 16 match. Uh, Whereas Janine Watson ended up coming up against Turkey's Simea Emazisk uh, and won 36 to two in that repercharge quarterfinal, then moved on to face Ota Shoko, uh, who is from Japan. And that was again, 32 to 12, um, which that was the closest bout. that she had of the ones that went through the reper charges. Uh, it was about 20 to 12 at the start of the third round. And then obviously Watson unleashed and got a 12 point additional advantage in the actual final round. She came up against Yulia Lepetska and absolutely dominated. I want there to be actual footage of this bout because it's got to be a something like a sight to see. It's just that like much of an advantage. She is significantly taller than Lepzka, but still um height's one thing and then scoring sixty-three points on someone is another thing.
2: Yeah, they really, really aren't words. And um, you know, Watson has a fantastic story is taking home bronze the first time that the taekwondo has been at the Paralympics, but at age 40, given that 12 years ago when she was diagnosed with MS, she was told she might not live to see 40, to be standing on the Olympic diocese or the Paralympic diocese is pretty special.
0: Well, and not just that, like she's also very accomplished at wheelchair tennis. Um, she's the like top, she's been the top ranked singles, wheelchair singles player for quite some time in Australia, which.
2: <laughs> what is it about our wheelchair tennis athletes and Playing other sports on the <laughs> side for medals at the Paralympics,
0: being exceptional at it as well. Yeah,
1: <laughs> how is that fair?
2: <laughs> it, it is just a massive credit to to Watson and to Olcott, who's obviously the reference there, um, who was a, a roller's gold medalist in two thousand and eight. Sorry,
1: who's um, that? I don't recognise that name.
2: It's okay. We'll talk about him later, Danny. Yeah,
1: don't worry, Danny.
2: <laughs> but before we get to our boy Dylan um, Curtis McGrath has won two gold since we last podcasted. <laughs> right. Casual two. I mean, yeah, this collective podcast has zero gold medals and he has two <laughs> since our last episode.
0: He also won gold in Rio as well. Like it's not like he doesn't have other gold medals previously.
2: So, uh, McGrath won the, the men's kayak single 200-meter in the KL2 final, um, following it up the next, uh, the next day or two days later with the, uh, the men's Vaa single 200-meter VL3, which is the same level of classification. Um, and they were both pretty emphatic wins in the end, really. He didn't, didn't look at any point like losing that race or either of those races.
0: Yeah, especially the VAR. Uh, he didn't lead for the, about the first 25, maybe 50 metres even or so. Um, The athlete from Great Britain, uh, Stuart Wood, was the one that was leading. But then it was like once he actually like kicked into gear and the others started to be a little bit more lethargic, it was like, oh, he could actually like paddle for an additional 50 metres like and like create a massive gap even further because... He smashed them in that race.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's really the only way to describe that is a smashing um, in, in both races. So in the, the kayak, he won by one point oh oh seven seven seconds, and he won by just over half a second in the VAR, which is uh, hey, both of those are pretty significant wins.
0: Yeah, I think that probably the VAR more meaningful in the sense of it's his specialty, but at the same time, he's advocated for quite some time for this to get onto the Paralympic program, uh, similar to Jess Fox advocating for the canoe slalom to be on the, uh, Olympic program and then to win the first gold medal in the event that you have campaigned for for years, um, makes it even that little bit sweeter.
2: Oh, For sure. Um, but speaking of sweet victories, um, we've had a couple of gold medal matches in the men's quad tennis since we last caught up here on the podcast. So we had Jackie's favourite doubles rivalry, followed by Jackie and Danny's favourite singles rivalry. So who wants to talk about what first?
0: I'll go with the doubles first, just because it happened first. Um, and then we get to finish off with the happier one, too, for Australia at least. Uh, Dylan Alcott and Heath Davidson took on Sam Schroeder and Niels Vink in the quad wheelchair doubles uh, gold medal match, and wasn't the result we hoped for. Um, <laughs> <it> actually, <laughs> was quite heartbreaking because they previously had won gold in 2016. But uh, the youngsters that are Sam Schroeder and Niels Vink—they are 21 and 18 respectively. Schroeder and Vink ended up winning in straight sets it was six four six three they it's not that they were completely on top of Davidson and Alcott the whole match but it was still like it always just felt like it was going to be their day especially after the roof got closed and they are drive the courts up a little bit
2: yeah absolutely I mean Schroeder's backhand just was absolutely lethal throughout that match and as much as Alcott tried to bring energy to the net and try and force the aggression, any time the ball strayed anywhere near Schroeder's backhand, it was basically the end of the rally. Um, he just put the ball where no one else could reach it, and it was it was quite something to watch. If not for the fact that you know we really wanted the Aussies to be able to get those balls back over the net.
0: Yeah, there's something so likable about both Schroeder and Vink. Um, I really hope that Vink is on the singles tour very soon I'm adamant he'll be at the Australian Open but unfortunately not the US Open uh, but also it's just the fact that this is Schroeder's first actual title in the doubles as far as like Grand Slams and Paralympics goes um, he's competed with Olcott this year at two Grand Slams they lost both those finals and it's just like finally a little bit of a reward for this kids, very, very like hard effort. He is the second best in the world for a reason. And it was on show when he beat one of the best doubles teams of all time. And
2: and you could could see how much it meant to them Um, after the match or all all got Davidson went over, but Schroeder was just overcome by the emotion. And and so was Vink, Uh, but obviously Schroeder has put in the effort for a little bit longer, just because he's a bit more experienced and you could see how much it meant to him to be able to bring home a Paralympic gold medal. But he wasn't able to bring home to Danny because uh, our man Dylan had, had something to say about the return singles match.
1: He was out of blood. <laughs> he wanted revenge <laughs> in, in the most larrikin way possible um, as we know and love Dylan for Um Obviously we had the game delayed by two days to start with um, due to the backlog of games, thanks to the terrible weather we have already spoken about. Um, So it it gave them some time to recover though. So that was um, a way to prep everyone for what would be such a high standard game. And that's what we got. First set um, was 7-6. So Dylan obviously won the first one, and then he rallied back, got got himself in the game hundred percent, and won six one for his second set. So it was really impressive um, battle. It wasn't just like a a complete um, sweep by Dylan, um, but man, seeing those two go at it is something to behold, and it's it's. Sad in a way that it's Dylan's last Paralympics because it's the end of this rivalry that you spoke of. And um, now it sort of seems like there won't be, or well, there will be that domination by Schroeder and Vink now. Um, but props, props to both guys for putting on such an entertaining match as well.
2: Um, it, it was quite amazing to see because Schroeder really was on top for much of that first set. Um, and it looked a little bit like the match was getting away from Alcott. Mm. There were just a couple of rallies at at five three, mm. um, and and Alcott managed just to get one extra ball over the net, and it was enough. And you could see it some it sparked something in him, um, and how much it meant to him. And he ended up reeling off, you know, ten of the next twelve games plus the tiebreaker, um, and he really kind of hit hit his straps and showed why he is the number one player in the world. But there was also plenty of, of signs as to why Schroeder is fast challenging him for it.
0: Yeah, and Vink will then subsequently challenge Schroeder once he gets onto the Grand Slam circuit. Um, the game in that match where it was really like, okay, uh, Alcott's not going to end up going down. This won't go to a third set. was uh, the fifth game. I believe it was in the second set where they had seven juices um, and it was really going back and forth, but Alcott wouldn't let Schroeder just end up winning off his own service game. Like he was kept forcing it. They trade points back and forth. Typically it was actually Schroeder going to advantage and then Alcott just won three points in a row and you were like, (laughs) damn yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> it's it's on and it's on in the sense of the golden slam is still on which he said he's not thinking about um following winning a gold medal i probably wouldn't be either if i just won a gold medal
1: <laughs> No, i would keep that in my in the back of my mind
0: it'd be I, something i'd be worrying about like three days later <laughs> when it's yeah. like oh i've got a flight in new york now <laughs>
1: <laughs> just think he's, about it while you're on the plane for a bit
2: <laughs> isn't he already on his way to new york
0: he was um, still in the Paralympic village today, I believe. But I saw, I saw Heath
2: Davidson on a plane to the US. So yeah, um, it's possible, but it's certainly a short turnaround. And I wonder whether it will help or hurt Orcott and Schroeder as they each kind of come to terms with the Paralympics and, and prepare for that last Grand Slam of the year.
0: I reckon it'll fuel them both in like different ways because Schroeder's trying to defend a title, which he hasn't had to do before because um, Schroeder won the 2020 U.S. Open, whereas Alcott's going for the perfect year, essentially, um, and it's so close to it. It'll likely only be a semifinal and a final. And these two, it's just a fascinating rivalry in itself because it is the uh, old guard and new guard a little bit.
2: I mean, it's, it's how we saw Federer and Djokovic a decade ago.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and, and while that hasn't really panned out the way we thought, because somehow they've both stayed at the top of the game, um, it, it really does seem like it's the apprentice coming the for the master. Um, and while the master probably has one or two more kicks in him, um, I think we, we can all see that Schroeder is going to be something incredibly special on the tennis court.
0: Mm -hmm. and people should be paying attention
2: (laughs) and and while we're super proud of that um it's also worth mentioning that there was a paralympian who managed to break the world record three times in one event danny didn't she just
1: just casually (laughs) that was absolutely incredible vanessa lowe is who we're talking about uh, she competes in the long jump and she set, as he said, a new T61 world record three times to claim the gold medal. She didn't think one was enough. She didn't think two was enough. She's like, nah, three jumps, three world records. So props to her. Um, she's, she's been around uh, before. She competed at Rio Games for her um, country of birth, Germany. Um, and she was champion there too. So um, she knows what she's doing a little bit apparently. Um, and yeah, she's classes T61. they were grouped together um, with the T42 and T63 athletes heading into this event. And um, yeah, she held the world record already. Yeah, so coming into the event she started with uh, 5 meters 0.07. Um, and yeah, she smashed it to collect a 5.28 metre record, obviously 21 centimetres difference. So um, congrats to her. Um, She kept pushing, even though she'd already essentially claimed it with the first first jump, she wanted to keep bettering herself and hyped herself up for it. And it was awesome to watch. So, so proud of her. yeah, I think
0: that's the thing with these combined category events is that uh, Lowe broke her world record. I think it was once at that point, but maybe it was sec- uh, twice. But she wasn't in the gold medal position yet. Um, So she ended up having to actually break her own world record a third time to secure gold in this event. Um, And it does create that question of, is there not enough medal events going around for all the different classes? Because... these athletes that are breaking their own world records and doing phenomenal jobs in some cases aren't podiuming. Um, And that happened in an, I think it was a sprint event. Uh, One athlete broke a world record and then she finished fourth (laughs) ultimately. But in this case, it's like, she had to break a world record. She'd already done. And the best you can do is your best realistically she beat her best three times um which seems unheard (laughs) of
1: yeah it's so impressive like you it would be hard to not fall into the mindset of oh I've already like secured this um and just take it easy you know make sure you don't injure yourself for any upcoming events or whatever um yeah to to keep that mindset was really impressive and I'm so stoked for her. <laughs> she's she's just the loveliest person as well. Watching her interviews during um during this Paralympics and the last Paralympics. Um I I would really like to be friends with her, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll bring up I was slightly wrong on my stat there. It was actually a Paralympic record, but I will talk about this sprint because it was the only non-Chinese podium sweep for the Paralympics. Ooh. Uh, And it was an Italian podium sweep in the women's T6300 meters. So they are single leg amputees uh, and will have a prosthetic on. And it was an amazing race. It was pouring with rain as were half of the athletics events. I made a joke um, privately that was like, it is like they are at a shallow pool. Like at this point, there is just so much water on the track and around the field Um, That you're just like, how are they getting through this and, you know, breaking world records? And a world record and a Paralympic record were broken in this race. So the world record went to the youngest of the three Italians, Ambra Sabatini, who ran a 14-11, uh, which phenomenal sprint.
1: (laughs) Well, I couldn't even do do 20 metres in that time.
0: No, and she beat uh, former world record holder Martina Carioni, which... So her previous world record was 14.37. So it's not like she beat the world record by a little bit. Like when it comes to the sprints, 0.26 of a second is massive. Uh, She ran a 14.46, which that makes sense that like you might be slightly off or like slightly closer. And then the third Italian on the podium was the oldest, which was Monica Contrafato, uh, which to win bronze, at the age of 40 in a sprint event is phenomenal. Like that's what you can say about this race entirely, but they were all T63 sprinters. The T42 sprinter, who was the only T42 class in this combined class event, uh, Indonesia's Karisma Tarini broke a Paralympic record. She is previously like the world record holder in this class as well. She set that record in 2019. That ran a 14.83 and I'm just like, I get that you were possibly the only sprinter like in your class, full stop at this Paralympics in the women's event, but God, you deserve a
1: medal. <laughs> like, what more Man. can you do? I know. Imagine like putting your name in the ring and <laughs> just being the only one there and you still don't come first. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Her world record time is 0.01 better than what Contrafato ran. So it's like, (laughs) it is so hard for her to even get onto that podium.
1: Um, Oh, for sure. But just what a run from all of them. Well, going back to Sabatani, um, she uh, only became eligible for Paralympics a couple of years ago because she was involved with a car accident. and That's how she lost her leg only two years ago. And to come out and win gold uh, two years after acquiring this disability um, and learning essentially how to live a whole different life and just training for Paralympics and being successful at your first shot. Man, props to her. She's got a massive future ahead of her.
0: (laughs) I love how casual that is. Just props to her. (laughs) But it's also like... I can't compare. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I can't even, I can't even like try to imagine what kind of feeling to put into what I'm saying, because there's no way in hell that I would ever be that fast or fit or strong. So props to her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it doesn't get any less funny. Um <laughs> We'll move on to some of the pool events because the pool ended a couple of days earlier than the athletics and we're mostly only felt focusing on the gold medals because a lot happens in a week at the Paralympics, like 200 medals were on offer in like the past couple of days. <laughs> Um, But we'll start with Rachel Watson, who defended her Rio 2016 gold medal, set a new Paralympic record in the process in the women's 50 metre freestyle for the S4 class, which is one of the lower classes because it goes all the way up to uh, S11 and S14, uh, depending on the races. But to come back and win a 50 metre race um, where you've got to be flying out the... Gates I, is the best way to phrase it. Um, and she didn't start in first in that race. She had a good start off the block, but started a little bit further behind but that final 25 meters of the race. Like if it was, <laughs> if we were just basing it on that, that was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and, and that particular finish was enough to give her a Paralympic record as well. So that's, you know, You know how fast it is. If you can have a slow start, not really come out of the blocks well and still finish with a Paralympic record, you really must be coming home like a house on fire.
1: And it was her own Paralympic record too that she broke. Which was four years old.
2: (laughs) We we, we really have started taking things like people's own Paralympic records for granted when they just break them like they're not even there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We really, really do.
0: Uh, But we'll move on to the next Aussie medalist, which was Benjamin or otherwise known as BJ Hamps, uh, who it was a pretty big night this night where we won all these gold medals, but it was in the S14 100 metre backstroke category that I, it was a great race. Uh, He did really well in the relay races that he competed in and even had a bronze in a hundred metre butterfly individual event. But to win the set in all these different like different strokes, especially because three medals, three different strokes for the Paralympics is pretty phenomenal.
2: I mean, and and to to have a full Paralympic medal set after one Paralympic appearance is incredible as well. I mean, Hans is only 21 and this is probably the start of, I mean, based on prior form, a really successful Paralympic career. Uh, because if you're able to swim across all the strokes like this and, and at this level, or at, and, and that looks even more so um, given the fact that he really only just missed his own world record from earlier in the year um, and broke the Paralympic record. Um, and if you can swim across all three strokes like that, you're on the way to having a pretty oversized baggage collection at the end of every Paralympics going forward.
1: Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wouldn't like to be the person that's stuck carrying our swimming team's bags
2: <laughs> I mean the, the medals that they're carrying it's enough to prop up an australian economy and send it to china
0: <laughs> <laughs> please they won enough medals already dan you led the medal tally of like 207 medals that's true it's, it's
2: just a good thing there's not iron medals then as well i guess <laughs>
0: Too political for this podcast <laughs> um all right we'll move on to will martin who is a triple paralympic gold medalist uh so i believe we previously talked about his 400 meter s9 freestyle gold and then also his four by 100 meter freestyle relay gold with ben popham and pro and Crothers. but uh <laughs> he got another one in the men's 100 meter butterfly s9
2: We talked about the fact that Hans has three medals of three different colors after one Paralympics appearance. Martin might want to talk to someone because his are all the same color. Um, He he obviously doesn't bother with silver or bronze. And and he broke his own world record setting this 100 meter butterfly event, uh, world record as well. Um, So, he, he broke the Paralympic record and the world record in the heats in the morning. And obviously hadn't been swimming hard enough because he could do it again in the final um, with a, a 50, a 50 meters at the end where he went from kind of half a body length in front to over a body length by the end. Um, and that's just, you know, a phenomenal finish and a way to really hang on in what is, a brutal event. I mean the 100 meter butterfly is is 100 meters of pain.
0: It's um, 100 meters of swimming butterfly.
1: It is the worst stroke. I hate it so much.
2: i do so not sure able, why
1: anyone would willingly voluntarily do butterfly.
2: <laughs> I mean if it was going to get me three gold medals I'd think about it but yeah. to be able to pull away in the last 50 meters really shows how strong he was and how well set up he was for the race and It's great that he got to deliver.
0: Yeah. And this isn't an Australian, but it's someone that is definitely worth a mention because I said it in a group chat that we're all in. Uh, Maxim Kripat eats world records for breakfast. (laughs)
2: This
0: man won five Paralympic gold medals. The one event that he lost was the 50, uh, like there was an individual event, was the 50 freestyle. He lost to Rowan Crothers and that was a very tight race in the end as well. And then in the relay event he was in, which was the 34 points freestyle, uh, Ukraine also won bronze in large part because of him, because of the leg that he swam. But yeah, to win hundred freestyle, but also 400 freestyle. Like we talk about Katie Ledecky um, and her dominance with the long form events, but to do one that's a short, like two of the shorter form events and win gold and silver, and then also you do 400, which is your middle distance event and is the longest event at the Paralympics is phenomenal. And that is winning golds in backstroke and butterfly and an individual medley gold medal. Like, I don't know if there was not a breaststroke S10 event. Because I just assume that there isn't because you didn't win gold in it.
2: <laughs> I think Crypad is, is unbelievable. Um, you know, five gold medals, and I think it was seven world records across his heats and finals. I mean, most of us dream of getting within seven seconds of a world record. <laughs> Imagine beating seven different ones in, a, in one event. It's just. Yeah, there aren't words to describe it's
1: that. Superhuman. That's a word for it. It's probably <laughs> the most apt
0: word as well. Um, and I don't think that this is the last time we're going to see him at the Paralympics either. He's still quite young is my understanding, which some of these, as Danny and I were saying earlier, like 40-year-olds are winning sprint. <laughs> bronze medals you're not going to tell me that maxim krappa in his 30s is going to keep winning medals because he's a phenomenal athlete
2: uh, and and so many of these Paralympians have been And you know we we're here just after the closing ceremony and, and it's all wrapped up but the last two weeks have been a reminder of just how much these athletes can do I and mean, these are some of the world's greatest athletes the the fact that they're pulling down the times that they are um, and that's without even considering the levels of impairment that they're they're fighting through as well I mean they will Martin for a 100 meter butterfly to be doing it in what was it 57.19 I mean that's that's lightning quick in anyone's language um, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> there's no way around that that's that's a brilliant performance and these two weeks have been full of them Uh, and we'll obviously look more into over the next week or so Um, but it's a a pretty spectacular way to finish
0: yeah I'm sad it's over in a lot of ways Um, the Paralympics is obviously quite a few days shorter than the Olympics and I'm almost like I feel like there could still be a couple more days of competition I'm not experiencing that same like Olympic fatigue that I was feeling because I think that cause it's so much like metal, 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 metal in this. It's like, there's constantly something exciting on, whereas there are some days at the Olympics that it's like a little bit tame.
2: Yeah. Day minus two. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> But also like day three, sometimes you'll be like, Oh, we're only in team events for like most of today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it, it's been a, a pretty phenomenal two weeks. And we've been thrilled to have Danny on tonight and Jason and Sarah on over the last two weeks as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, to sit back and reflect is going to be pretty special during the week, but we've seen some incredible athletes. And I know I keep repeating myself, but like, there's no other way to put it, I think.
1: I feel like we should be celebrating them the same way that we celebrated our Olympians by sending them many gifts while they're in two weeks of quarantine. Oh, for sure.
2: We had that tonight on the Sydney Opera House. We had the Paralympians and the Olympians' faces light up the sails of that iconic building. Um, And it was great to see the recognition for both our Olympians and our Paralympians, but also how special it seemed to all of them You know, Instagram is littered with people having it up on their stories being like, look, I made it. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) Excitement for, for both our Olympians and our Paralympians. And the fact that we had our Paralympians up there first because they're the ones who are in the closing ceremony now and have been competing recently is really special and is really proof that the Paralympics are not an afterthought in Australia. And we talked about that with the Brisbane bid. Um, but we're looking forward to seeing it over the next decade or so.
0: Yeah, and a big thing about the next decade or so is the focus on We The 15. They launched another promotional video during the closing ceremony tonight, but if you haven't looked already, go to wethe15.org, follow them on Twitter. Um, It's a really important organisation as far as making sure that people with disabilities uh, essentially get the same respect that they deserve. Uh (laughs) to the rest of everyone else in the world. And ultimately that's the best kind of organization that I think is going forward. And it's not just a sports focused movement. It's in everyday life from your workplace to going out and (laughs) hanging out with your friends.
1: Yeah. It's something that we should all be um, keeping in mind and not only just keeping in mind, but having it at the forefront, Um, making sure that uh, able-bodied people and people with disabilities have the same access access to everything and we can all have a fun time together
0: i'll wrap things up for this one we'll definitely have a podcast out in the week where we talk way more about the paralympics because there's two weeks that we need to look back on and talk about even further and just remember things because recency bias is definitely a thing with us. <laughs> so this has been ascending Olympus. You can find us on Twitter at ascending You can find any stories we have about the Paralympics and then also stories coming in about Olympians
1: at the Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.